everyone. Uh, good afternoon, I should say. Welcome to The Eight. I'm happy that you guys are here. At St. Mark Church, which we are at now, our mission statement for our church is this, that we exist to connect people to the fullness of life found in Jesus Christ following the ancient faith of the Orthodox Church. Just like how any other organization will have a mission statement and everything centers around that, every decision that we make, every ministry, every program, every pastoral care, you know, anything that we will do, even when it comes to designing, God willing, our future home building, everything rotates around this. In addition to our mission statement, we have three core values. And our first core value, I remember four years ago when we ended up having meetings and even till now of discussing what are our core values, we were hesitant of the idea of titling this core value to being come as you are. And I remember, and I, and I hear it till today, our first core value shouldn't be come as you are because we don't want people just to come as they are. We want them to, 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 to change. We don't want them just to come as they are. We want them to change. Yes, I'm with you. But here's the elaboration of our first core value here at St. Mark Church. People who are nothing like Jesus gravitated toward him. And what is true of Christ should be true of us. Regardless of your background or past, your Savior invites you to come and see. And come and see are like heavy words here for us as far as the culture of St. Mark Church because Jesus told many people, many skeptics, many people who were interested in him, he told them, hey, you know what, that's a fabulous question, but come and see. He would encourage them to take the next step. So in the same thing here at San Mark Church, we don't want you just to come and say you have to believe all of this from, from the get-go and you have to be all in. No, it is totally fine for you to come here as a skeptic. It is totally fine for you to come with your fears and hesitations and doubts about the whole church thing, about the whole God thing, about the whole Jesus thing. It's totally fine because people who were interested in Jesus had the same mentality. But Jesus' response to them, including a Jewish man 2,000 years ago by the name of Nathaniel, he told them, come and see, come and see. So many people would tell me, come as you are. No, we should not have that. It's not just come as you are and that's about it, that maybe that exists for other versions of Christianity. But our first century church, it shouldn't just be come as you are. There needs to be change. I'm with you. But something that, that, that complements come as you are is that our mission, once we are bought into the reality of who Jesus of Nazareth is, then it's not just to come as you are, but for us to make sure that we do not leave the same. That there has to be change. Because if there is no change, if we are not making better life decisions day in and day out, then what are we doing? Then it ends up just being a country club of just nice talks and some coffee and we all smile and we all, we're all hunky-dory and that's about it. No, there has to be change. So come as you are, but, but don't leave the same. We are in part two of a series here at the eight titled No Excuses Nor Justification. Right? No excuses. So something we ended up talking about uh, last week for part one, all of us fall into the trap 
of, of coming up with excuses of why we get angry, why we procrastinate, why we overreact, why do I not want to have this conversation, why I don't have time for this. Right, we have excuses, but you and I do not label it as excuses, right? We want to sound more sophisticated. We want to dress up excuses. So what do we end up saying? Well, the reason why I reacted this way, the reason why I checked out of that conference, the reason why I don't want to invest in my marriage, the reason why I'm, I'm spending my, my, my I'm, I'm managing my money this way is, right, we have a reason for everything, but we never want to use the word excuse, right? Because that, like, that kind of like shatters our pride. None of us would ever say in an argument, well, my excuse is this, right? We would say the reason is this, right? We dress up excuses, but we end up making it look nicer by saying the reason is or we say, because. The reason why I have this anger issue is because. Here's my reason. It's because you are like this. The reason why I don't care about it, this is my reason. In reality, if you kind of remove all the dress up of the reason, it ends up becoming an excuse. Right? We are creative people. We know how to dress up our excuses and make them seem like reasons. We can't see it in ourselves, but I promise you, you see it in other people around you. You might even see it people whom you live with, right? Because we end up saying to them, you're just making excuses. You're just making excuses, right? We see it, I see it in my five-year-old, and we also see it in adults, right? It's embedded into the brokenness of who we are, that we, we have excuses, but we dress it up, we say reasons, but we can see it in other people, and we end up calling it out. It's like, you're just making excuses. You're just deceiving yourselves. But in reality, we all have it. And this entire theme of this three-part series is coming from a very ancient prayer of this first century church. Something that the church gives us is a personal prayer book to guide us, to hold our hands when it comes to personal prayer. And one of the things that's embedded in this personal prayer is that we say these words. We have no favor, nor excuse, nor justification because of our many sins. We have no favor, nor excuse, nor justification. So the church is encouraging us, remove that wall, remove that barrier, remove that dress up of you trying to say, oh, my reasons. No, we have no excuse. We got no justification of why we are weak. I got no reason. I, I, I need to remove all the excuses. And I, I need to say, I, I'm struggling. Here, are, I, I, I tried to dress up my excuses into reasons, but I got no excuse, I got no justification of why I struggle with this, of why I get angry, of why I check out, of why I'm always late, of why I manage my finances like this. We have no excuse, we got no justification. We want to blame it on other people. We all go to the reflex of pointing at someone else, but the church encourages us, own up, own up your part. I got no excuse, I got not no justification for my many flaws. Is it hot here, by the way? Or I'm just talking a lot. Sorry, Chris, do you mind uh, cracking the door a little bit op more? And Sorry, it, it, could we, I don't know, something? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this off. <laughs> people who live a life, people who live a life of making excuses hardly ever make a difference in this world. Right? People who say, well, the reason why I'm like this is because my parents did this when I was a kid, and my upbringing this, my school this, the president that, and they just they, they surround themselves with excuses all around. Those people hardly ever make a difference in this world. And I know, regardless of, how, of where you are right now as far as your view of Jesus, or how, maybe how you view yourself, you want to make a difference. You want to, it's embedded into how you were beautifully designed by God. You want to make an impact. But those who live 
in this dance of wanting to make excuses all the time, but they dress it up as reasons, they hardly ever make a difference. They are unable to tap into who they really are by God. They're unable to have authentic relationships. They're unable to make a difference because they are surrounded by making excuses. Jesus, regardless of how you might view him right now, was so good at looking in between people's excuses. You know how you and I can see, we can see when someone's making an excuse. We see it in kids, we see it in adults. Jesus was so good at looking right in the middle and calling out people when he realized that they were making excuses. He was so good of removing all the dress up and fabrication of their reasoning and really call them out for their excuses. So Jesus was really good at that. And what I want to share with you is something recorded by a physician uh, by the name of St. Luke. And he recorded something of Jesus, how he attracted people. He would challenge them, and he would tell them these, these words. He would tell them, follow me. People who are kind of one foot in, he would tell them, follow me. Who says, are you, are, you, are you all in? Like, follow me. He didn't just go to them and ask them, do you believe? Okay, cool, great, you believe, good, have a great day. No, he told them to put your belief into action. So his first words to them, he would tell them, believe me. One disciple responded to Jesus, and he told him this. Jesus said, follow me. But Jesus replied, uh, sorry, the, the, the man who, so Jesus told this man, follow me. This man replied, see, Lord, first, you know, let, let, let me go and bury my father. That, that, that seems like a legitimate excuse, right? It seems legit, right? Come on, I mean, it's, it's your dad, right? Because to you and me, our excuses, our reasoning is legitimate to us. Our reasoning is legitimate to us. But other people see it as an excuse. But to you and me, the narrative that we convince ourselves of, it makes sense to us. So this man says, sure, Jesus, I would love to follow you. That's awesome. But first, you know, come on. And you would understand, you know, my dad and I have to bury him. Jesus said to him, Jesus could see right through him. Jesus said to him, let the, bury, let the dead bury the, their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus looked right through him and saw the fabrication and the exaggeration and this false narrative in which this man was trying to convince himself of. And we fall into that trap ourselves all the time. We convince ourselves it's legitimate, just like as this man was. But Jesus calls him out. Somebody else heard that conversation with Jesus had with that man. Still another said, so, so somebody raised their hand and said, Jesus, Jesus, I, I will follow you. Forget him. I will follow you. I will follow you, Lord. But First, you know, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. That seems legitimate as well. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand on the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. To most of us, that means nothing to us, right? We, we, he's using agricultural example, but he's trying to pull on an analogy in which they can relate to. So like a plow, it is like this like device, okay, that you kind of, you, 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 it, it puts, it, it makes furrows in the ground. And put, it makes like these, it makes these like, as you can tell, I'm not into agriculture, but I, I know a plow like creates like these holes in the ground, all right? So when you're doing the plow and you're kind of, you're pushing the plow, you have to keep your eye like on like a tree or a pole or something in front of you because if you kind of, or not look, if you're kind of just like whatever, then you're, you're, you're going to end up doing this on the ground, right? You're going to end up putting holes everywhere. So you have to look straight as you're doing the plow. So Jesus is saying, no one who puts a hand onto the plow and looks back, is fit for the service of the kingdom. Like, you can't do this and then look back. You're going to be distracted. You have to be all in. If you're going to be all in to making an, an eternal impact, then you can't just kind of be doing this. and look. No, you can't be doing that. So the audience gets it with this agriculture example with the plow. And so Jesus is using that to, to make a logical response to him. 
By the way, does anybody know the names of these two gentlemen who responded back to Jesus? Does anybody know their names? Neither do I. Nobody does. Nobody knows those who live a life of having excuses and reasons and justification and just live behind that. They do not make a difference. The question I have for my reasoning and your reasoning to our lifestyle, our habits, how we manage ourselves, how we make life decisions. And I want you to ask this question. How would Jesus respond to your reasons? How would your Savior, how would Jesus respond when you, and you, and you, and you say, well, Jesus, see, see what it happened was. Imagine you went through this whole thing. You try to explain everything to Jesus. What would Jesus' response be to your reasons? Jesus, being an amazing communicator, loved to give analogies, these fictitious stories to drive a, a, a moral of a divine reality. He would use these analogies to paint a bigger picture. And, and it's so brilliant how Jesus talked in analogies in order because when you expand upon an analogy or a parable as, as, as we know them as there's so many lessons embedded in it so Jesus loved that he was such a great storyteller to point to a divine reality and one time Jesus was giving a parable in which he said once upon a time there was a master who had three servants and he gave each of the servants certain amount of talents in which they need to like manage and take care of and invest in, right? So, so think of those, the, the talents as like finances. So he gave person uh, $5, another person $3, and another person $1. He says, hey, guys, I need you to manage this, take care of it, you know, you know, you know, you know manage it as you seem fit for, for, for these finances. And I'm going to go on a trip. But when I come back, you know, makes some use out of it, okay? Don't just, don't, so make use out of what I am giving you. His Lord, the, so, so the, the master came back, came back to one of the servants, the, to the first one, who had, a, the one who had five talents, and he said, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The person who had five talents, he took it, he invested it, he allowed it to grow three times. He, he didn't just say, he didn't just look at it and say, thank you, Jesus, and he looked at it. Or look at, thank you, Master, and that's it. No, he took it, he invested it, he allowed it to grow. He was renting something, he was being loaned something, but he allowed it to grow. The Master came back from his trip, and his Lord said to him, well done. You've been faithful with what I initially gave you a little, and you have allowed it to multiply. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent, and obviously the same thing happened with the one who got three talents. And then it came, now Jesus comes to the one, or the master comes to the one who had one talent. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, see, you know, what had happened was, like, I know, I, I know you to be a hard man. Like, I, I, you, you, I, you, you're kind of a, a rough, difficult man. I know you to be a, a hard man. You reap where you have not sown. And you're gathering where you have not scattered seed. Like, so he's like saying, this is your fault. Like, I mean, this is your fault. You're the one that gave me the seeds and the talents in the first place. Like, you're the one, like, that, that's your fault, not me. Like, you're the one that, who entrusted it with me, so that's your fault. I know you to be a hard man. You reap where you have not sown. And you're gathering where you, have not, you haven't even scattered seed in the first place. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, 
there, there. You have your one talent back. You, actually, it's your fault in the first place. So I, I'll let you have your one talent back. Yeah, fear, fear kind of stopped me from like, but uh, really, it's your fault. Fear is what prevents us to move forward and for us to be honest with ourselves. Fear paralyzes us. Fear prevents us from being able to see our fullest potential. We live behind fear. This, th he justified it, right? He, 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 he justified his logic. You're, you're the one who gave me the one talent. And, and you're the one that, like, you, if you wanted it to grow, you should have dealt with it yourself. He lived behind fear. And he ended up giving it back to Jesus and says, that's for you to deal with. Most of us live behind fear. And this is what prevents us from making a difference. But his Lord answered and said to him, now how do you think Jesus would respond to the one who just gave that legitimate reason? That's, you're, the, you're, the, you're the issue, Jesus. You're, you're, Master, you're the one who entrusted me with it. You're the one that scattered, you scattered seed in one place and you were trying to get fruit from another, uh, you know, uh, fruit from another. That's your issue. You're, you're the one. Yeah, I was afraid. But here, you take your one thing. How did Jesus respond? You think Jesus, so graceful, was like, oh, it's all right, tiger. Come here, buddy. It's okay. What do you, what do you think Jesus did to him? How did Jesus respond? You wicked and lazy servant. Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not a very uh, good warm feeling inside, right? Jesus tells him, you're wicked and lazy. He calls him out. He tells him, move that dress-up fabrication of your false narrative in which you are trying to convince yourself. You're trying to convince yourself that you are the victim. You remove all that. And own up that you did not respond to what you have been entrusted with. A 4th century bishop by the name of St. John Chrysostom. By the way, what I love about 1st century Christianity is that I get to just plagiarize the bishop's sermons from the early centuries. And I can just regurgitate it 2,000 years later. But this is what St. John Chrysostom had to say in his sermon. Do you see how sins of omission also are met with extreme rejection? Do you see how sins of omission also are met with extreme rejection? Uh, I'll explain. Let's go through it and I'll explain. It is not only the covetous and the active doer of evil things, but also the one who fails to do good. What is St. John saying? You and I label sins or flaws or bad things if a murder, an idolater, uh, you know, what, like, that's a bad person because he does X, Y, Z, right? This is how you and I might categorize. So this person is bad because he did this, this, this wrong, right? But St. John, this 4th century bishop is saying, it's not about just the things you do wrong. It's the sin of omission. It's not doing what you are called to do. That is also a sin. You and I, we, we, we try to live an introspective, repentant life, and we look to see what we're doing wrong. But do we categorize what we don't do as being a sin? You guys with me? So it's not necessarily what we, that we do is this right or wrong. No, sometimes me not responding to what my Savior is wanting to do within me and me being wicked and lazy servant in the words of the parable, that is a sin. And Jesus tells us, you're wicked and lazy. You have missed the point of what I'm wanting to do in you. I know 
that regardless of your view of Jesus, you want to make a difference. You want to make a difference. You want to make an impact on those around us, or you want to leave an imprint in this temporal world. I know you want that. You want to, you, you want to see your value and you want to see your worth the same way your heavenly father does. Like you want to see yourself in the same way that your heavenly father sees you. And something else uh, that I know about you. You want to hear these words. When this temporal life is over with, and which is a guarantee in this world, when all this is said and done, the words that you and I want to hear are these words. Well done. Well done. Enter into the joy of your Lord. If you and I want to hear these words, with what you and I have been entrusted with, then it might require us to look inside and ask ourselves, do I really have excuses that I dress up as reasons? Am I hiding behind that? Am I hiding behind fear? This is what's preventing me from really getting help. This is what's preventing me from, from really having that conversation. This is what's pre preventing me from really living a life of giving and offering myself unto others. What is your reason that you and I are so good at dressing up the reason? And we convince ourselves of this narrative. But if you and I want to hear these words, well done, and might require us to remove that wall and for us to admit that I don't got a reason. I'm just using an excuse, and I need to push through that excuse and push through that fear in order for me to hear these words from my heavenly Father. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let us stand for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we are surrounded by temptation to justify our actions, to give ourselves reasoning for what we want to do. But Lord, ultimately at the end, there is still this void and emptiness, which can only be filled by you being the source of life. Lord, we come to you wanting a repentant heart, wanting to remove that wall, wanting to remove those reasons, wanting to remove that fear that is paralyzing us, that's chaining us down from moving forward. Lord, I pray that we can at least acknowledge that we're hiding behind fears, hiding behind reasons, and for us to be able to move forward and for us to see ourselves in the same way that you see us and for us to respond to what we have been entrusted with. So ultimately, when this temporal world comes to an end on our last breath, that we can hear your sweet words of well done, good and faithful servant. Through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, guys. We will wrap up this series next Sunday.